Chapter Twenty Two of The Lion's Skin by Raphael Sabatini. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Hunters. To the amazement of them all, there entered a tall gentleman in a full-bottomed wig, with a long pale face, a resolute mouth, and a pair of eyes that were keen yet kindly. Close upon the heels of the second secretary came Mr. Green. Humphreys withdrew and closed the door. Mr. Templeton made her ladyship a low bow. Madam, said he, very gravely, I offer your ladyship, and you, my lord, my profoundest condolence in the bereavement you have suffered, and my scarcely less profound excuses for this intrusion upon your grief mr templeton may or may not have reflected that the grief upon which he deplored his intrusion was none so apparent i had not ventured to do so he continued but that your lordship seemed to invite my presence invited it sir questioned rotherby with deference i should scarcely have presumed so far as to invite it not directly perhaps returned the second secretary his was a deep rich voice and he spoke with great deliberateness as if considering well each word before allowing it utterance not directly perhaps but in view of your message to lord carteret his lordship has desired me to come in person to inquire into this matter for him before proceeding farther this fellow indicating green brought information from you that a jacobite an agent of james stuart is being detained here and that your lordship has a communication to make to the secretary of state rotherby bowed his assent all i desired that mr green should do meanwhile said he was to procure a warrant for this man's arrest my revelations would have followed that has he the warrant your lordship may not be aware said mr templeton with an increased precision of diction that of late so many plots have been disclosed and have proved in the end to be no plots at all that his lordship has resolved to proceed now with the extremest caution for it is not held desirable by his majesty that publicity should be given to such matters until there can be no doubt that they are susceptible to proof talk of them is disturbing to the public quiet and there is already disturbance enough as it unfortunately happens therefore it is deemed expedient that we should make quite sure of our ground before proceeding to arrests but this plot is no sham plot cried rotherby with the faintest show of heat out of patience with the other's deliberateness it is a very real danger as i can prove to his lordship it is for the purpose of ascertaining that fact resumed the second secretary entirely unruffled for the purpose of ascertaining it before taking any steps that would seem to acknowledge it that my lord carteret has desired me to wait upon you 
that you may place me in possession of the circumstances that have come to your knowledge rotherby's countenance betrayed his growing impatience why for that matter it has come to my knowledge that a plot is being hatched by the friends of the steward and that a rising is being prepared the present moment being considered auspicious while the people's confidence in the government is shaken by the late south sea company disaster mr templeton wagged his head gently that sir if you will permit the observation is the preface of all the disclosures that have lately been made to us the consolation sir for his majesty's friends has been that in no case did the subsequent matter make that preface good it is in that particular then that my disclosures shall differ from those others said rotherby in a tone that caused mr templeton afterwards to describe him as a damned hot fellow you have evidence documentary evidence a letter from the pretender himself amongst it a becoming gravity overspread mr templeton's clear-cut face that would be indeed regrettable said he it was plain that whatever the second secretary might display when the plot was disclosed to him he would display none of that satisfaction upon which rotherby had counted to whom sir let me ask is this letter indicted to my late father answered his lordship mr templeton made an exclamation whose significance was not quite clear i have discovered it since his death continued rotherby i was but in time to wrest it from the hands of that spy of the pretenders who was in the act of destroying it when i caught him my devotion to his majesty made my course clear sir and i desired mr green to procure a warrant for this traitor's arrest sir said mr templeton regarding him with an eye in which astonishment was blent with admiration this is very loyal in you very loyal under the ah uh, peculiar circumstances of the affair i do not think that his majesty's government considering to whom this letter was addressed could have censured you even had you suppressed it you have conducted yourself my lord if i may venture upon a criticism of your lordship's conduct with a patriotism worthy of the best models of ancient rome and i am assured that his majesty's government will not be remiss in signifying appreciation of this very lofty loyalty of yours lord rotherby bowed low in acknowledgment of the compliment her ladyship concealed a cynical smile under cover of her fan mr carroll standing in the background beside hortensia's chair smiled too and poor hortensia detecting his smile sought to take comfort in it my son interposed the countess is i am sure gratified to hear you so commend his conduct mr templeton bowed to her with a great politeness i should be a stone ma'am did i not signify my uh appreciation of it there is a little more to follow sir 
put in Mr. Carroll in that quiet manner of his. I think you will find it blunt the edge of his lordship's lofty loyalty, cause it to savor less like the patriotism of Rome, and more like that of Israel. Mr. Templeton turned upon him a face of cold displeasure. He would have spoken, but that whilst he was seeking words of a becoming gravity, Rotherby forestalled him. "'Sir!' he exclaimed. "'What I did, I did, though my ruin must have followed. I know what this traitor has in mind. He imagines I have a bargain to make. But you must see, sir,' that in no sense is it so for having already surrendered the facts it is too late now to attempt to sell them i am ready to yield up the letters that i have found no consideration could induce me to do other and yet sir i venture to hope that in return the government will be pleased to see that i have some claim upon my country's recognition for the signal service i am rendering her and in rendering which i make a holocaust of my father's honour surely uh, surely sir murmured mr templeton but his countenance told of a lessening enthusiasm of his lordship's roman patriotism lord carteret i am sure would never permit so much uh devotion to his majesty to go unrewarded i only ask sir and i ask it for the sake of my father's name which stands in unavoidable danger of being smirched that no further shame be heaped upon it than that which must result from the horror with which the discovery of this plot will inspire all right-thinking subjects mr carroll smiled and nodded he judged in a detached spirit a mere spectator at a play and he was forced to admit to himself that it was subtly done of his brother and showed an astuteness in this thing at least of which he had never supposed him capable there is sir rotherby proceeded the matter of my father's dealings with the south sea company he is no longer alive to defend himself from the accusations from the impeachment which has been leveled against him by our enemy the duke of wharton therefore it might be possible to make it appear as if his dealings were uh not uh quite as should befit an upright gentleman there is that and there is this greater matter against him between the two i should never again be able to look my fellow-countrymen in the face yet this is the more important since the safety of the kingdom is involved whilst the other is but a personal affair and trivial by comparison i will beg sir that out of consideration for my disclosing this dastardly conspiracy which i cannot do without disclosing my father's misguided share in it i will implore sir that out of that consideration lord carteret will see fit to dispose that the south sea company affair is allowed to be forgotten it has already been paid for by my father with his life 
Mr. Templeton looked at the young man before him with eyes of real commiseration. He was entirely duped, and in his heart he regretted that for a moment he could have doubted Rotherby's integrity of purpose. Sir, he said, I offer you my sympathy, my profoundest sympathy, and you, my lady. As for this South Sea Company affair, well, I am empowered by Lord Carteret to treat only of the other matter, and to issue or not a warrant for the apprehension of the person you are detaining, after I have investigated the grounds upon which his arrest is urged. Nevertheless, sir, I think I can say, indeed I think I can promise, that in consideration of your readiness to deliver up these letters, and provided their nature is as serious as you represent, and also in consideration of this, your most signal proof of loyalty, Lord Carteret will not wish to increase the load which already you have to bear. Oh, sir, cried Rotherby in the deepest emotion, I have no words in which to express my thanks. Nor I, put in Mr. Carroll, words in which to express my admiration. A most excellent performance, Rotherby. I had not credited you with so much ability. Mr. Templeton frowned upon him again. Ye betray a singular callousness, sir, said he nay sir not callousness merely the ease that springs from a tranquil conscience her ladyship glanced across at him and sneered audibly you hear the poisonous traitor sir he glories in a tranquil conscience in spite of this murderous matter to which he stood committed rather be turned aside to take the letters from the desk he thrust them into Mr. Templeton's hands. Here, sir, is a letter from King James to my father. And here is a letter from my father to King James. From their contents you will gather how far advanced are matters. What devilries are being hatched here in His Majesty's dominions? Mr. Templeton received them and crossed to the window that he might examine them. His countenance lengthened. Rotherby took his stand beside his mother's chair, both observing Mr. Carroll, who in his turn was observing Mr. Templeton, a faint smile playing around the corners of his mouth. Once they saw him stoop and whisper something in Hortensia's ear, and they caught the upward glance of her eyes, half fear, half question. Mr. Green, by the door, stood turning his hat in his hands, furtively watching everybody, whilst drawing no attention to himself, a matter in which much practice had made him perfect. At last Templeton turned, folding the letters. "'This is very grave, my lord,' said he, "'and my lord Carteret will no doubt desire to express in person his gratitude.' and his deep sense of the service you have done him i think you may confidently expect to find him as generous as you hope he pocketed the letters and raised a hand to point at mr carroll this man he inquired laconically is a spy of king james 
he is a messenger who bore my father that letter from the pretender and he would no doubt have carried back the answer had my father lived mr templeton drew a paper from his pocket and crossed to the desk he sat down and took up a quill you can prove this of course he said testing the point of his quill upon his thumbnail abundantly was the ready answer my mother can bear witness to the fact that twas he brought the pretender's letter and there is no lack of corroboration enough i think would be afforded by the assault made by this rogue upon mr green of which no doubt you are already informed sir his object this proved object was to possess himself of those papers that he might destroy them but i caught him in time as my servants can bear witness as they can also bear witness to the circumstance that we were compelled to force an entrance here and to use force to him to obtain the letters from him mr templeton nodded tis a clear case then said he and dipped his pen and yet put in mr carroll in an indolent musing voice it might be made to look as clear another way mr templeton scowled at him the opportunity shall be afforded you said he meanwhile what is your name mr carroll looked whimsically at the secretary a moment then flung his bomb i am justin carroll sixth earl of ostermore and your very humble servant mr secretary the effect was ludicrous from mr carroll's point of view and yet it was disappointing five pairs of dilating eyes confronted him five gaping mouths then her ladyship broke into a laugh <laughs> the creature's mad i've long suspected it and she meant to be taken literally his many whimsicalities were explained to her at last he was indeed half-witted as he now proved mr templeton recovering smote the table angrily he thought he had good reason to lose his self-control on this occasion though it was a matter of pride with him that he could always preserve an unruffled calm under the most trying circumstances what is your name sir he demanded again you are hard of hearing sir i think i am lord ostermore set down that name in the warrant if you are determined to be bubbled by that fellow there and made to look foolish afterwards with my lord carteret mr templeton sat back in his chair frowning but more from utter bewilderment now than anger perhaps said mr carroll if i were to explain it would help you to see the imposture that is being practised upon you as for the allegations that have been made against me that i am a jacobite spy and an agent of the pretenders he shrugged and waved an airy hand i scarce think there will remain the need for me to deny them when you have heard the rest rotherby took a step forward his face purple his hands clenched her ladyship thrust out a bony claw clutched at his sleeve and drew him back and into the chair beside her oh charles she said give the fool rope and he'll hang himself never doubt it the poor witless creature 
Mr. Carroll sauntered over to the secretaire and leaned an elbow on the top of it, facing all in the room. "'I admit, Mr. Secretary,' said he, "'that I had occasion to assault Mr. Green, to the end that I might possess myself of the papers he was seeking in this desk.' "'Why, then,' began Mr. Templeton, "'patience, sir, I admit so much, but I admit no more.' i do not for instance admit that the object itself of my search was such as has been represented what then what else growled rotherby ay sir what else quoth mr templeton sir said mr carroll with a sorrowful shake of the head i have already startled you it seems by one statement i beg that you will prepare yourself to be startled by another then he abruptly dropped his languor i should think twice sir he advised before signing that warrant were i in your place to do so would be to render yourself the tool of those who are plotting my ruin and ready to bear false witness that they may accomplish it i refer and he waved a hand towards the countess and his brother to the late lord ostermore's mistress and his natural son there in their utter stupefaction at the unexpectedness and seeming wildness of the statement neither mother nor son could find a word to say no more could mr templeton for a moment then suddenly wrathfully what are you saying sir he roared the truth sir the truth echoed the secretary ay sir the truth have ye never heard of it mr templeton sat back again i begin to think said he surveying through narrowing eyes the slender graceful figure before him that her ladyship is right that you are mad unless unless you are mad of the same madness that beset ulysses you remember let us have done cried rotherby in a burst of anger leaping to his feet let us have done i say are we to waste the day upon this tom o' bedlam write him down as carroll justin carroll tis the name he's known by and let green see to the rest mr templeton made an impatient sound and poised his pen ye are not to suppose sir mr carroll stayed him that i cannot support my statements i have by me proofs irrefragible proofs of what i say proofs the words seemed to come from every member of that little assembly if we except mr green whose face was beginning to betray his uneasiness he was not so ready as the others to believe that mr carroll was mad for him the situation asked some other explanation ay proofs said mr carroll he had drawn the case from his pocket again from this he took the birth certificate and placed it before mr templeton will you glance at that sir to begin with mr templeton complied his face became more and more grave he looked at mr carroll then at rotherby who was scowling and at her ladyship who was breathing hard his glance returned to mr carroll you are the person designated here he inquired as i can abundantly prove said mr carroll i have no lack of friends in london who will bear witness to that much yet 
said mr templeton frowning perplexed this does not make you what you claim to be rather does it show you to be his late lordship's there's more to come said mr carroll and placed another document before the secretary it was an extract from the register of saint antienne of maligny relating to his mother's death do you know sir in what year this lady went through a ceremony of marriage with my father the late lord ostermore it was in sixteen ninety i think as the lady will no doubt confirm to what purpose this quoth mr templeton the purpose will be presently apparent observe that date said mr carroll and he pointed to the document in mr templeton's hand mr templeton read the date aloud sixteen ninety two and then the name of the deceased antoinette de beaulieu de maligny what of it he demanded you will understand that when i show you the paper i took from this desk the paper that i obtained as a consequence of my violence to mr green i think you will consider sir that if ever the end justified the means it did so in this case here was something very different from the paltry matter of treason that is alleged against me and he passed the secretary a third paper over mr templeton's shoulder rotherby and his mother who drawn by the overpowering excitement that was mastering them had approached in silence were examining the document with wide-open startled eyes fearing by very instinct without yet apprehending the true nature of the revelation that was to come god shrieked her ladyship who took in the meaning of this thing before rotherby had begun to suspect it tis a forgery that were idle when the original entry in the register is to be seen in the church of st antoine madam answered mr carroll i rescued that document together with some letters which my mother wrote my father when first he returned to england and which are superfluous now from a secret drawer in that desk an hour ago but what is it inquired rotherby huskily what is it it is the certificate of the marriage of my father the late lord ostermore and my mother antoinette de maligny at the church of st antoine in paris in the year sixteen eighty nine he turned to mr templeton you apprehend the matter sir he demanded and recapitulated in sixteen eighty nine they were married in sixteen ninety two she died yet in sixteen ninety his lordship went through a form of marriage with mistress sylvia etheridge there mr templeton nodded very gravely his eyes upon the document before him that they might avoid meeting at that moment the eyes of the woman whom the world had always known as the countess of ostermore fortunate is it for me said mr carroll that i should have possessed myself of these proofs in time does it need more to show how urgent might be the need for my suppression how little faith can be attached to an accusation levelled against me from such a quarter by god began rotherby but his mother clutched his wrist be still fool she hissed in his ear she had need to keep her wits about her 
to think, to weigh each word that she might utter. An abyss had opened in her path, a false step, and she and her son were irrevocably lost, sent headlong to destruction. Rotherby, already reduced to the last stage of fear, was obedient as he had never been, and fell silent instantly. Mr. Templeton folded the papers, rose, and proffered them to their owner. "'Have you any means of proving that this was the document you sought?' he inquired. "'I can prove that it was the document he found. It was Hortensia who spoke. She had advanced to her lover's side, and she controlled her amazement to bear witness for him. I was present in this room when he went through that desk, as all in the house know.' and i can swear to his having found that paper in it mr templeton bowed my lord he said to carroll your contentions appear clear it is a matter in which i fear i can go no further nor do i now think that the secretary of state would approve of my issuing a warrant upon such testimony as we have received the matter is one for lord carteret himself i shall do myself the honour of waiting upon his lordship within the hour said the new lord ostermore as for the letter which it is alleged i brought from france from the pretender he was smiling now a regretful deprecatory smile it is a fortunate circumstance that being suspected by that very man green who stands yonder i was subjected upon my arrival in england to a thorough search at maidstone a search it goes without saying that yielded nothing i was angry at the time at the indignity i was forced to endure we little know what the future may hold and to-day i am thankful to have that evidence to rebut this charge your lordship is indeed to be congratulated mr templeton agreed you are thus in a position to clear yourself of even a shadow of suspicion you fool cried she who until that hour had been countess of ostermore turning fiercely upon mr templeton you fool madam this is not seemly cried the second secretary with awkward dignity seemly idiot she stormed at him i swear as i've a soul to be saved that in spite of all this i know that man to be a traitor and a jacobite that it was the letter from the king he sought whatever he may pretend to have found mr templeton looked at her in sorrow for all that in her overwrought condition she insulted him madam you might swear and swear and yet no one would believe you in the face of the facts that have come to light do you believe me she demanded angrily my beliefs can matter nothing he compromised and made her a valedictory bow your servant ma'am said he from force of habit he nodded to rotherby took up his hat and cane and strode to the door which mr green had made haste to open for him from the threshold he bowed to mr carroll my lord said he i shall go straight to lord carteret he will stay for you till you come i shall not keep his lordship waiting answered carroll and bowed in his turn 
the second secretary went out mr green hesitated a moment then abruptly followed him the game was ended here it was played and lost he saw and what should such as mr green be doing on the losing side End of chapter 22